So I call my PCP and I tell them that they had sent me the wrong referral and they were like, oh geez, we don't know what happened. I have a lot of questions and no answers. It finally feels like I'm a step closer to getting the healthcare I need. Welcome to episode 7 of Sludge, an American healthcare story. We're still here. We're still telling the same damn story that will apparently never end, just like my sludge balls seem destined to remain in my body forever. I'm Caitlin Durante. Joining me, as always, in the telling of the gruesome sludge tale is my friend, Sammy Junio. How you doing, buddy? At first, I was afraid your sludge was petrified. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is. I think that's what gallstones are. Yeah. Petrified sludge balls. Yeah, dude. She was. Yikes. I'm fine. (sighs) So we, of course, are very good friends. We see each other a lot. We talk a lot. Mm -hmm. But. You just reminded me that you don't know a lot of the details of this story. I guess I've just been too frustrated to repeat the details of it too much, just in casual conversation. Yeah, once you started, like, tweet-threading it, Mm -hmm. um, you're just like, I tweeted about it. It's like, (laughs) okay. Yeah, people would ask me, like, what's the update? I'm like, ugh, just look at my Twitter. (laughs) Like, I actually sent your sludge thread to my girlfriend so she could, like, read about it because she was really excited. I was like, oh, yeah. I have some of the details, but you could read it here, which is like really helpful, honestly, because I don't like talking. <laughs> sure, sure. And your girlfriend was with us when I was buying Gatorade mm-hmm. right after we left the ER after my sludge attack. Uh, yeah. So she's she's part of it. She really is. What a little strong angel. What, what a sweetheart. Well, here we are. <laughs> to recap what has happened so far, I had the infamous sludge attack. I went to the ER. I saw a GI doctor who told me that I need surgery, but didn't refer me to a surgeon. So I went back to my primary care physician to try to get a referral to see a surgeon. I'll start this episode by saying that I'm just so tired. (laughs) I'm so frustrated by this process. I'm so hungry for pizza. And I want chicken wings from Ye Rustic in the shitty dive bar that we always go to in Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles, California. Sludge Angeles. Sludge, sludge, sludge. (laughs) Cabo Sludge, California. All I've been eating is broccoli. Sludge, California, dreaming. Sorry, that was old. (laughs) Sludge, California, girls, we're unforgettable. (laughs) This is a stupid game. Okay. Uh, this is going into the blooper reel. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm keeping it. Oh, no. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm generally doing fine. Like, I've made changes to my diet. I'm on the sludge diet. I'm otherwise healthy. As I've said before, I'm lucky. There are so many people out there who need more urgent medical attention than me and whose situation is just so much more dire than mine but the system keeps fucking them over and over again like i i I think i have it bad and i i know i'm nowhere near the worst case 
in existence because this broken system is affecting so many people and screwing over so many people and I tr I just don't get why we continue to let it happen if you do know anyone like that who's being fucked over by the system and who needs urgent medical care please give them money if you can or support them in whatever way you can because this is truly hell like this is a living nightmare my mental health is deteriorating which I'm sure is not good for my physical health but no doctors I've seen seem to care about either thing so where we left off in the last episode was me talking to my primary care physician and telling her what happened with Dr. M. My PCP said that she would be able to refer me directly to a surgeon and that I should wait for that referral. Again, why she couldn't have just referred me to a surgeon in the first place or why that played out like it did which is the probably most infuriating way it could have played out I I don't know but that's how it happened so now I'm waiting around for a referral for a surgeon from my PCP this was July 3rd the following day was July 4th Independence Day in the U.S. so offices are closed generally July 4th was on a Thursday this year so most people took off that Friday also uh, and then there was the weekend and then I waited several more days after that. Finally, on July 11th, exactly two months after my sludge attack, I received notification via email that the referral that I had been waiting on had been uploaded to my patient account. I log into my account to check it out. Now, Sammy. Yes. What do you think was in there? Do you think it was the referral for the surgeon or maybe it was something else? Take a wild guess. Uh, a referral for the, the, the best low-fat recipe <laughs> vegan area in town. That actually would have been nice that to have. Yeah, sure. But it wasn't that. Nor was it the referral for the surgeon. Oh, it no. was a referral for Dr. M, the GI doctor who I had already seen. And if you recall, who treated me like I was an idiot. I'm about to cry. And I knew this already. You told me this already. And I'm yeah. still about to wait for you. <laughs> so I was waiting all that time for a referral that I had already been given. <sighs> so I call my PCP. And I tell them that they had sent me the wrong referral. And they were like, oh, geez, Ugh, we don't know what happened. Let me check on some stuff and we'll call you back. The next day, they call me back. It gets sorted out and they upload the correct referral to my patient account. This referral is for a specific surgeon. We will call him Dr. X. So it finally, finally feels like I'm a step closer to getting the healthcare I need because at least now I have a referral for a surgeon. When having a piece of paper that tells you you're allowed to see a surgeon feels like a huge step forward, you know that this healthcare system is stupid. <laughs> like, oh my God. I can't even count how many steps I've gone through up till this point. I think you should draw it out and put it on the internet. I, I should map it out. Yeah. 
I mean, that's what we've been doing on this podcast, but like there should be a visual component to this. Absolutely. Because it's like I'm playing a board game and I pick up one of the cards that says, oops, your sludge is upset with you today. Move back three spaces. Like anytime I feel like I'm, I'm going to make any progress, something happens where I move backwards. Shoots and ladders or just sludge and sludge. Sludge and sludgers. Candyland. Sludgeland. <laughs> Scrabble is sludgeable. <laughs> Jenga. Sludgeinger. <laughs> They're only getting better. We should keep doing this. Okay. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so I, I just no progress has been made up till this point, but now it feels like because I'm allowed to see a surgeon now, I'm like, wow, this this is big. This is big news. So I call Dr. X's office. It goes to their voicemail. I call back several times that day. Each time it rings for a little bit and then goes to their voicemail. By the time I realize that they don't answer their phone, it's like the end of the day on a Friday past like office hours. So... I call back first thing on Monday morning, and I leave a voicemail. But they do call me back a few hours later, and they ask who referred me. I tell them my PCP's name. They say my PCP hasn't sent anything over to them. This is a recurring trend, if you recall. You might remember that my PCP's office never sent anything to Dr. M, which they were apparently supposed to do. Apparently they needed, you know, the results of the ultrasound, which makes sense. It would stand to reason that a GI specialist would want to see those ultrasound images, but they received no such thing. My PCP had also not sent anything to the surgeon at this point. Now, if you're wondering... Caitlin, why don't you get a different PCP? Yours seems to be really bad at their job. (laughs) Well, first, I don't even really know how to do that. Like, my insurance makes everything such a hassle, such a chore, that I almost don't even want to try to figure out how to change my doctor because I think it would only frustrate me even more. And even if I did know how to switch... There are not that many doctors that I would have to choose from because I'm at the mercy of who my insurance company allows me to make my PCP. The fact that I that people just can't go to any to any doctor that's convenient for them or a doctor that their friend referred them to or a doctor that they the doctor that's closest to them like I chose my PCP because their office is within walking distance of my apartment because again like I said several episodes ago I hate to go to the doctor I'll do anything to avoid it and really only because I have a doctor that's so easy for me to get to is any reason that I've ever gone to the doctor if it was more difficult I probably wouldn't go so that's why I have this PCP and believe it or not my current primary care physician is a is a huge improvement from my last PCP when I was on Medi-Cal insurance a few years ago because they were truly a nightmare to deal with and I didn't even have any serious medical issues back then like that was the doctor who when I went to get birth control like a birth control implant in my arm they were like this implant lasts for three years and uh, you're 28 years old. Are you you sure you're not going to want to have babies right now? And I was like, I never want to have babies. And they're like, I'm sorry, you're a woman who's 28. You're, you want babies. And I'm like, fuck off. Wow. 
any amount of time I had to spend convincing this doctor was too much time. But I did, I like spent a couple minutes being like, look, I don't want children. I've known this about myself for my entire life. Please just give me this birth control. So I had to like convince a doctor who was a woman that I wanted birth control. Anyway, I'm, I'm on the phone with Dr. X's office, the surgeon. Uh, even though they haven't received anything from my PCP, they still schedule an appointment for a consultation with this surgeon. The next available is July 22nd. Now, we're getting to a point in the story that I have been trying to avoid because I'm worried it's going to lead to a lot of misunderstanding and scrutiny. But here it is. In mid-August, I'm leaving LA for a five-week trip to Europe, not including about six days I'm spending in Boston before I continue on to Europe. This is a trip I've been planning for months, long before the sludge attack ever happened. And I'm worried people will think, wow, Caitlin, how can you go and complain about not making a lot of money and having shitty health care and then turn around and take a five-week trip to Europe? And I get it. It sounds very hypocritical, but hear me out. I'm a comedian, which means I travel quite a bit doing gigs in a bunch of different places. An opportunity presented itself for me to go to Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year, and I decided to go to that. I decided to extend my trip to see some other places in Europe as well. I booked very reasonably priced flights and accommodations. I paid for a lot of the trip with travel points that I have racked up by essentially going into credit card debt. And I will be doing comedy and live podcast shows while I'm traveling that will pay me enough money to justify taking this trip. So I'm not living lavishly or traveling in style. This is a very budget trip, but I do want to see part of the world while there's still a world left to see before the environment is so ruined that life is no longer sustainable on this planet. So <laughs> sue me for wanting to take a vacation. Again, a working vacation because I will be working and doing shows a lot of the time. I don't mean to sound so defensive. I just wanted to acknowledge the situation and be transparent about it. Sammy, back me up here. Nope. <laughs> Fair? No, you, uh, yeah, you live very frugally, I'd say. Thank you. And I think that this trip, you wasn't clear that you were saving for this trip mm -hmm. when you were saving your money and living frug frugally. Sure. But I feel like once the opportunity presented itself, that it was what you were saving for. Yeah, yeah, so you're all, you're all good. You can you can save money. That's great. Yes, and I can... What a brag. <sighs> brag. Again, also, I have friends. Brag. <laughs> I don't know. It's only been me on this podcast. <laughs> True. You're my only friend. Um, well, anyway, so that is, again, just something I wanted to be transparent about because I feel like some people might listen to this podcast and then see, like, my Instagram posts of like me in London and be like, oh, hey, wait a minute, Caitlin, I thought you were like having a sludge thing. I am, but I'm also traveling. So that is the situation. The reason I bring all of this up is that I had been hoping to get my sludge issues taken care of before I leave on this trip because one, 
I don't want to have another sludge attack while I'm traveling. Like imagine having the most excruciating pain you've ever felt in your life while you're on a 12-hour flight. I don't recommend it. Also, and this one is very selfish, I admit it, but I don't want to like have to be really careful about what I eat and drink when I'm on vacation. Like I'm going to Rome and and Paris and I I'm going to want to eat the rich cuisine that's available. So I'm selfish when it comes to me wanting to eat a buttery croissant in Paris. I'm sorry, but that is the reality of the situation. But it's probably not going to happen because it's looking increasingly like the sludge problem will not be resolved before I leave. So that brings me back to my consultation with the surgeon, Dr. X. I scheduled that appointment on July 22nd. In the meantime, I talked to a few people who I know who are either doctors or people who know doctors, and I find out what questions I need to ask the surgeon during this consultation. I say this to demonstrate how absurd it is that I need to consult all these outside sources for guidance, because both my primary care physician and the GI specialist have done absolutely nothing to give me any medical guidance regarding my condition. Also, not to mention the ER doctor who, who gave me no guidance. That's ridiculous. July 22nd rolls around. I have my questions ready. I go to the appointment with the surgeon, Dr. X. What follows is an abridged version of that conversation. So, Sammy, mm-hmm. will you do the honor to play the role of Dr. X and I will be myself? And this is, again, an abridged version of that conversation, hitting all the, the major, most important beats. Yep. I've always wanted to be a surgeon. <sighs> well, here's your chance, baby. Can't wait. I waltz into the office and I wait there for a solid 10 minutes. <laughs> and then Dr. X waltzes in. And I say, I've been advised to have surgery to remove my gallbladder. Yes, uh, you're young and your gallstones may progress and cause a lot of problems. Yeah, um, my grandma and aunt both had to have surgery to have their gallbladders removed. Uh, With a laser or open? I think it was open surgery. Okay, that's what happens when the progression of the disease gets to the point where you won't be able to do it with a laser. Yeah. Uh, What do you do for work? I'm a comedian. Oh, you do stand-up comedy? Yes. Live? Live shows, yeah. Uh, Do you also do uh, the the Hollywood films? Uh, Not yet, but here's hoping. Hmm. Okay, so when was the last time you had significant pain related to the gallstones? Uh, When I had the attack and went to the ER on May 11th. Did they discover the gallstones then, or...? No, they didn't do anything. Not even the ultrasound? No, it's been such a nightmare. There's been so many hiccups and referrals, and another important thing to know is that I'm about to leave on August 14th to go to Europe until the end of September. Okay, so you'll probably have to have your surgery then when you're back. You leave in, like, three weeks, but it'll take... Probably three weeks for your insurance to approve the surgery. So you can either cancel the trip and have the surgery or go on the trip and have the surgery when you get back. 
Well, I'm not going to cancel my trip, but I am going to the UK and a few other places, so I guess if I have an attack while I'm traveling, I can just get surgery there. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I just want to eat a buttery croissant in Paris. No, no, don't do that. No grease, no spice. Nice to meet you. Bye. Okay, bye. (laughs) So, Dr. X was... Much nicer than Dr. M. Seemed very helpful. He was not helpful. (laughs) Oops. We spent most of the time either talking about my comedy career, which, by the way, both he and Dr. M were impressed that I do comedy. So women aren't funny. Good for me. I know. That's the whole thing. I'm (laughs) struggling so much as a comedian because me as a woman am not funny. (laughs) No wonder I have sludge because I've just been causing myself so much stress just left the kitchen and it grew in there (laughs) i hate this bit (laughs) yeah let's stop anyway so the consultation with dr x was perhaps not helpful there were some main takeaways from the conversation with dr x they are that one it'll take around three weeks to get approval from my insurance company to have surgery to remove my sludge pouch why does it take three weeks to get approval for surgery that it seems like I needed over two months ago. The other takeaway is that he is now the second medical professional who was baffled that the ER that I went to never did an ultrasound, which makes me wonder how much further along in the process would I be at this point if the ER staff did what it sounds like they should have done, which is to administer an ultrasound right then and there, How much further along would I be if I didn't have to wait around for referrals for doctors that I apparently don't even need to see in the first place? How much further along would I be if doctors were better at communicating with each other and with me? And how much sicker would I be if I hadn't bothered to do a lot of research on my own to figure out the types of food that I should be avoiding, considering no medical professionals gave me any guidance to this effect? Which, again, is so, it's so wild because the food that I put into my digestive tract largely affects my digestive tract, which my sludge pouch is a part of. So, I have a lot of questions and no answers. Speaking of questions, the other thing is that regarding this appointment, I came prepared with all those questions. And I didn't really get to ask any of them because Dr. X, like most doctors I've seen, didn't give me enough information, was not clear in his communication with me. I still have no idea what type of surgery I need, how long the procedure takes, how long the recovery will last, what my eating and lifestyle habits should be during and after the recovery, because he was steering the conversation Fine, that makes sense. But he decided when it was over and he didn't give me any opportunities to like ask any follow up questions. Like it would have been so easy for him to be like, hey, do you have any questions? But Sammy, do you think he did that? No, you're right. (laughs) He did not. Instead, he just walked out of the door. So I just I feel like I can never speak up when I'm at the doctor. I feel like I can never properly advocate for myself 
I feel like I can never get the information I need or there's just never enough time. They're always just acting like they have like one foot out the door already when I'm talking to them. And then as soon as there's a break in the conversation, they fucking run away, which is so shitty. When you did have health insurance and you perhaps were going to the doctors, do you have any experience like this? Um, Yeah, kind of. I went because I found a lump in my left breast Mm -hmm. and I went to the doctor and this was Kaiser Permanente. I'll say names. Oh, sure. Um, And uh, I went, I got my breast squeezed a bunch and they took um, a section of the thing that I found to test it. Mm Mm-hmm. So they told me that I was going to get results in a couple of days or whatever. And I get a call from the doctor and they left a voicemail message that was about four seconds long. (laughs) And it was the doctor that I previously saw for two minutes while she was pressing my breast. Sure, sure. As doctors do. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I went in for a foot thing. It was super weird. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so the voicemail was, hey, results are fine. Bye. (sighs) <laughs> which i mean baffled me because i thought that like good news or bad news it should be a com like a full-on conversation right. like what was that then etc right Nothing. was it a benign tumor was it a cyst like yeah. what is it it i get it doctors are busy yeah we're all busy Pe- people though. are sick you have a lot on your plate you have a lot of patients to see but because so many people have such an anxiety about going to the doctor in the first place, you think they would be given some training as to how to effectively and like courteously handle interactions with patients. Well, if by any chance any doctors have been listening to this podcast, first of all, sorry to have shat on you this entire time. I'm not sorry. But secondly, can you please reach out and explain why is this such a recurring thing? Is it because I have shitty insurance and because I'm, you know, I don't make that much money that like doctors don't want to spend the time of day to deal with me? Like I don't, I don't understand why it is this way. So please, anyone, anyone, please shed light. And again, well, here's another thing. I haven't touched on this much yet, but without question, certain groups of people face way more mistreatment, discrimination, a tendency to not be believed from healthcare professionals than others. Some examples of people who face this are women, queer people, poor people, plus size people, I imagine people of color have faced plenty of discrimination from white doctors. Like, it's just so infuriating that there isn't a better system in place, not even just with the health insurance system, but with medical professionals just being more attentive and acting more like they care and not discriminating against people based on their gender or their sexuality, or their income, or their body size, and and their skin color, anything like that. And then another little anecdote, a friend of mine from high school went to medical school. She and I were speaking while she was in med school. She was dealing with depression at the time, and she was telling me how in the medical field, there is an alarming amount of stigma toward mental illness and mental health, even within the medical profession. What? 
your brain is an organ in your body. Like if it's sick, that's just like, a, uh, okay. So this is all to say that again, if, if anyone has any stories of having been mistreated or discriminated against by medical professionals, please, you know, tweet at sludge podcast or, or email us at sludge story podcast at gmail.com. Let me know if you're a doctor or if, if you're a medical professional in, in any capacity and you can shed some light, please, I'm dying to know more because this everything is so bananas. To close out <laughs> this episode, the, the consultation with Dr. X, the surgeon, was on July 22nd. I am recording this episode on July 24th. Right now, I am still waiting to hear back from Dr. X's office about getting authorization from my insurance company to get the surgery. So that is the most recent update I have on this story. I'm not sure when the next episode of Sludge, an American healthcare story, will be released. I'm not sure what it will entail, but stay tuned because the story ain't over. (laughs) There are still sludge balls in my sludge pouch, and that sludge pouch is still in my body, so it's still ongoing. <laughs> Any closing thoughts, Sammy? Any? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just so sad. I feel like I've been gaslit by the system. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going with you for your next appointment, which I do offer every time. I know. <laughs> Um, not that I think that I can solve all your problems, but I feel like there is a power, there's power in numbers. And I think that like, even in sitting in like the various doctor's appointments that I have been that aren't mine, like you do feel a little bit more empowered to be like, wait, wait, for sure. Yeah. So let me come with you. Okay. I will. Well, that's the other thing is that my, my doctor friend back in Boston, he was saying that there are certain little tricks you can do to say to doctors to get them to kick their ass into gear, to either tell them that you have doctors and or lawyers in your family, because then they're like, oh, well, then they know or they have access to like someone who can sue me if I don't do things, which why is that true? Why is that the case that a doctor has to hear that their patient knows other doctors or like attorneys before they'll give you better care well because it's it's i feel like the it's like a cyclical pattern of nonsense where what's when you get a malpractice when you get sued for malpractice i don't know but like doctors are afraid to say too much because a patient can hear one thing and be like okay well you said this and it turns out i didn't only have five days to live how dare you malpractice and right. so just like so i feel like there's just like so many things that they can't say anymore because of like how shitty the system has right. become we're all fighting the same thing and that's the man the man which when you think about it the man is just sludge. a sludge ball Sorry, a giant I, I stepped on that no i you we both got there <laughs> i was just I'm just too sick with sludge to tell jokes properly. It is the man that we're up against, and hopefully we can dismantle and operate on the man and remove him. I'll bring my wood sword. Yes, please kill the man with your wooden sword. I will. 
<laughs> All right. So remains to be seen what will happen next. I will keep recording and continuing the story as things continue to unfold. But I wanted to get this all out there now, kind of while I'm in the middle of the story, just because it's, again, truly all I think about. So I'm like, well, I might as well like be productive about this and turn it into a podcast if for no other reason just to make people aware of how shitty the system is. Everyone already knows. I yeah, think, but yeah, we know, but it's just one of those things where it's like, if it's working for you, not going to think about it. Right. Or if you don't have health insurance and you're avoiding it, that's one thing. But also just like, I don't know how like the rigmarole that will be needed if I go to the doctor and they find things, you know, right? for someone who doesn't have health insurance, listening to this and stories like it will not incentivize you to get health insurance. No. Because it's been such a nightmare. <laughs> this is why, like, all of these all of these alternative treatments are popping up. Because we can't fucking afford it, or we're too scared, or, like, we've been bullied into avoiding the doctor. This is the only way we can survive. It's, it shouldn't be this way. Healthcare <laughs> should be easily accessible and free to everyone at all times. But instead, it's only available if you're extremely good at advocating for yourself, if you're extremely rich, and you have time to kill to, like, go through all the steps and jump through all the hoops. Like, if I was more sick and was not as able to advocate for myself as well as I can, I would be so much worse off. And, and yeah. there are so many people who are. Oh, man. Sorry to end this episode on such a bummer. But here's what I'll say. The system is like this because the people who are able to affect change, such as people in power, politicians, have not bothered to do so because they are only looking out for the wealthy. Or And I know it, it, it's probably a difficult system to implement, but countries have done it. Like, it has happened. We've seen it happen with several countries across the world. It the United States of America being you know, the powerhouse that it is, surely we can implement a system that provides better and more accessible and more affordable healthcare for people. So the country is a failure until we do that and a bunch of other things because there's a bunch of other fucked up stuff that we do. Anyway, sludge life. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so uh, please vote. For people who will affect change, please share your stories, share your experiences, share your insights. You can do that by tweeting at Sludge Podcast on Twitter. You can email sludgestorypodcast at gmail.com. You can, if you want, tweet at me directly at Caitlin Durante. Uh, yeah, I've been the sludge bitch <laughs> this whole damn time. Sammy. Yes. Um, thanks once again for sitting through this with me, listening to this infuriating story unfold. Thanks for all you've done for me as a friend, as a podcast co-buddy, <laughs> as a, you know, sludge partner. Sludge buddy. Sludgy buddies. Sl sludgy buddies. Mm -hmm. I got you, kid. Oh, cute. <laughs> Where can people follow you? 
follow me on Instagram, sludge, sludge, sludge. That's spelled I-T underscore Y-O-U-R underscore S-A-M. Twitter is Sam Junio, spelled S-L-U-D-G-E-J-U-N-I-O. <laughs> well, what do you say you try to cut out my sludge pouch with your wooden sword? Yes. Let's we'll take a video and post it. Yes. Let's do it or right a now. Gift. Boomerang? Let's do a damn, an Insta sludge story. Ooh. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Um, the next episode, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe I'll have had surgery. Maybe not. Again, there's... I'll bet not. So many hurdles. But stay tuned for more Sludge and American Healthcare Story. Dangerously sludgy. Hashtag sludge life. <laughs>